This JMR podcast is sponsored by the Journal of Medical Regulation, serving for over a century as the premier publication on physician licensure, discipline, and regulation. To learn more, visit jmronline.org. Well, welcome to the JMR podcast. I'm David Johnson, your host for today's podcast. And we are recording on Wednesday, February 26th, 2020. My guests today are Christine Schiffer, the Manager of Regulatory Affairs, and Jack Boulay, Vice President for Research and Data Resources, both with the ECFMG Famer. Their article, Advancing the Quality of Medical Education Worldwide, ECFMG's 2023 Medical School Accreditation Requirement, is appearing in the current issue of the Journal of Medical Regulation. So Christine, Jack, welcome to the JMR podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, listen, let's start with some basics for listeners who may be a little less familiar with ECFMG Famer. So specifically, could you talk about who is ECFMG Famer, uh, what is its role, and what does ECFMG certification actually involve? Sure. So ECFMG, the Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates, was founded in 1956 in response to an influx of physicians immigrating to the United States following World War II. So we evaluate the education and credentials of international medical graduates, known as IMGs. Before an IMG can enter accredited residency training in the US, they must become certified by ECFMG. And as part of the certification process, we verify their medical school education. Also to become ECFMG certified, IMGs must pass USMLE Step 1, Step 2 Clinical Knowledge, and Step 2 Clinical Skills exams. These are the exact same exams that U.S. medical graduates take. So in our role, we are a gatekeeper to the U.S. healthcare system, and we take that responsibility very seriously. As such, Starting in 2023, we will be introducing a new requirement for ECFMG certification, medical school accreditation. Beginning in 2023, individuals will be eligible to apply for ECFMG certification if at the time of application to ECFMG, their medical school is accredited by a recognized accrediting agency. More specifically, the medical school must be accredited by an agency recognized by the World Federation for Medical Education. Christine, thank you for that explanation. Um, I think just to be clear for our listeners then, so what is accreditation and how is that different from the certification that ECFMG has been doing for better than 50 years now? Well, I'll take that one. The, um, the certification really pertains to the individual. That is, we're looking at the uh, credentials and the qualities of those individuals who wish are seeking um, accredited residency training uh, in the United States. Accreditation, on the other hand, applies to the programs, the educational programs. 
And there, the inference we want to make is that something to do with the quality of the educational program as opposed to the individuals within that program. So we, we truly believe that both are necessary to have a high quality pro product at the end. Thank you, Jack. That's, that's a very clear uh, differentiation between those two. So I'm curious, obviously the ECFMG has been in existence for quite a period of time. You've had this certification program for so long. Why is it important that this push for accreditation of programs, medical education programs, is actually occurring now? Well, that's a great question. As we discuss in the article, there has been a dramatic increase in the number of medical schools around the world over the past 10, 20 years. Accompanying this increase is a wide variation in medical school quality and in accreditation systems. We are also increasingly seeing physicians migrate to other regions of the world for educational and practice opportunities. And unfortunately, we are also seeing a small number of medical schools that engage in questionable practices. Yeah, I'll just add on to that a little bit. Um, certainly, uh, what Christine said about the growth in medical schools is an important factor. That is, if we look back 10 years, there are about 2,700 operating medical schools. And we look now, it's about 3,300, almost 22% increase. Uh, with that has come, to some extent, um, medical education as a business. That's not necessarily bad, but in some instances, um, the I guess the, uh, ha the students aren't really aware of what they're getting into uh, when they go to medical school, that, that their interests aren't really taken to heart. And therefore, I think, at least from an ECFMG and FAMER perspective, it's important to have some idea about the quality of the schools, and accreditation gets at that. Got it. You know, as, as I read through your article, you, you make the point that the 2023 accredit, accreditation requirement is actually aligning with some other global initiatives, which I was unaware of. So I wondered if perhaps you could elaborate a little bit on some of these global initiatives. Well, I'll first talk about what FAMER does, and we didn't bring okay. that out at the beginning, but FAMER is uh, the foundation of the Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates. We work in partnership with ECFMG um, with a slightly different but somewhat the same vision and mission. Um, that is, we're, in, in the FAMER side, looking at improving medical education around the world through a number of programs, fellowship programs, research programs, and data acquisition programs that will allow us to do that. Um, in doing so, um, we can conduct research, we can look at the quality of medical schools, um, and as well, we can look at the, become the best source of information on quality, and quality as it pertains to the performance of students, whether it's on licensure exams or something else, as well as the quality as it reflected in their accreditation status and other indicators. So uh, one thing that's really important is that um, as a foundation, we go out and do some of that work to make sure that um, the students, one of the stakeholders in this big piece of medical education, um, are able to discern a good school from one that's perhaps has poor practices. And uh, as we brought up in the article, there's also interest in, by several international health organizations in accreditation. We are not alone in this effort. 
The World Health Organization published in 2016 its global strategy on human resources for health, which included the goal of all countries having an established accreditation system for health worker training um, by 2020. Two other international organizations, the International Association of Medical Regulatory Authorities, IAMRA, and the World Medical Association have also issued statements in support of having accreditation systems for medical education programs. Uh, well, thank you for that. You know, as as I was listening to you talk about accreditation, I mean, it seems like something that you know, on its face, no one could dispute. There's going to be value that that brings both to the quality of the medical education programs, I think a benefit then to the the medical student and ultimately the patients they treat, but is there evidence actually out there that speaks to the effectiveness or the, the benefits of accreditation efforts, efforts such as this one? Um, there is some evidence and uh, perhaps the best source is a, a recent article by Dr. Sean Tackett uh, published in Academic Medicine, I believe in December last year, uh, which was describing the evidence base for accreditation undergraduate medical education internationally. It's a fairly comprehensive scoping review um, with the conclusion that there's some evidence, but not a lot. Now, we may take that as being a little bit negative, but you know this whole accreditation push has just recently started. Uh, we're in the process of collecting data. We have done some studies here at FAMER relating to the, the to the performance of students who go to accredited schools and not accredited schools, um, with some evidence to suggest that those individuals who go to accredited schools actually do better on the, the licensing exams, both in their country and the ones required for um, licensure in the United States. There's also some evidence to suggest that those individuals who go to accredited schools are more likely to be certified by the Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates. That being said, I think there needs to be a lot more uh, research done to look at these issues. It's difficult to do, as as most of your listeners, at least in the regulatory field, would recognize, showing evidence that licensure exams work, showing evidence that certification leads to better outcomes, whether that's right down to the patient care outcomes. Those studies are difficult to do, but we right. are prepared and are in the process of, of doing a lot of that work. Hmm. Well, Jack, um, Christine, if I think of this from a public perspective, or maybe more specifically as a, from a regulator's perspective, can you can you talk about, in essence, why these kind of international accreditation efforts are really important for healthcare here in the United States? Then I think Jack, you've alluded perhaps to some of this when you talked about, frankly, the correlation between accreditation and some other measures like performance on a licensing exam, but. You know, if I put myself in the shoes of the regulator, why, why is this important for healthcare in the U.S.? Well, I think it's important for healthcare everywhere. Um, the initiative itself, the 2023, albeit kind of limited to those individuals that are seeking GME opportunities in the U.S., has far-reaching impact. That is, many schools now, uh, or many uh, countries and, and regions of the world, are building accreditation systems not necessarily for those individuals who wish to come to the United States to do graduate training, but more so to build up their infrastructure. So my argument would be that down the line, having betterly, better educated physicians will 
be better for the U.S. healthcare system also applies around the world. Got it. You know, in your article, uh, you also discuss uh, the World Federation for Medical Education, which you've alluded to, I think, earlier in some of your comments. Uh, You've talked about them and their role. I I suspect, though, that many listeners may not be familiar with them and how they've really been contributing to this point. So could you talk a little bit about uh, the World Federation for Medical Education? Sure. So the World Federation for Medical Education, also called With Me, was founded in 1972 by the WHO, the World Medical Medical Association, the International Federation for Medical Student Associations, and ECFMG. They are based in Geneva, and their mission is to promote quality improvement in all phases of medical education. The criteria they use to evaluate and recognize accrediting agencies is based on guidelines developed with the WHO through an expert consensus process. It's important to note here that neither uh, WIFME nor ECFMG accredits medical schools. Rather, WIFME recognizes accrediting agencies that meet its criteria. The criteria are designed to provide flexibility to allow for accreditation standards that fit a country's medical education system. And for anyone who wants to learn more about WIFME, you can visit their website at www.wifme.org. Yeah, I'd just like to add on to a couple of things that Christine said. Um, We recognized in putting forth this 2023 directive that no one organization could accredit all the schools. And the best model would be to have either country-based or some regional-based accreditors. Um, The WFME was chosen to be the recognizing body because they had the wherewithal of developing a lot of the standards related to accreditation. Um, As it currently stands, there are 20 recognized accrediting agencies, many more in the in the pipeline, three about to be recognized. And personally, I was quite shocked at the uptake uh, of this. Um, when I first started, and I've been with ECFMG since 1996, um, I thought there's no way in the world that, that these agencies slash medical schools would go through this accreditation process. And I've been surprisingly shocked that they, they have. Um, We have these 20 agencies, more in the pipeline, and many, many schools seeking to be accredited. And interestingly, many of these these agencies um, are in countries where very few applicants for ECFMG certification actually originate from. So it's it's good in a way. It, I think, levels the playing field, and and, um, all boats are rising in that tide, that the, the quality of education around the world because of this is going to improve, uh, not only for people coming to the United States, but for people transferring or migrating from one country to another. Wow, that, that's that's good news already, it sounds like, Jack. Um, Christina, Jack, as I was looking through your article, you really laid out very nicely this sort of four-phase implementation plan. Uh, that spans from about 2018 through 2023. Uh, So could you take our listeners through this implementation plan and kind of explain what phase we're in now, what remains to be done? Sure. 
So we are implementing the 2023 accreditation requirement in four phases that will each serve to promote greater transparency in international medical education. In 2018, so two years ago now, we launched a page on our website with guidance for students on selecting a medical school, including important characteristics to keep in mind, such as accreditation, and key questions to ask. Uh, this page can be found under the resources section of our website, ecfmg.org, and you can also go there directly by going to ecfmg.org slash selection. Now, later this year, 2020, we plan to begin noting in the World Directory of Medical Schools which schools are accredited by an agency recognized by WithMe. Then come 2021, we will be adding this information to the physician reports that ECFMG provides to residency programs, employers, and regulatory authorities, such as the state medical boards. And of course, starting in 2023, we will be tying eligibility for ECFMG certification to the accreditation status of the individual's medical school. Very good. Uh, so as you know, I reflect on some of the comments you've shared and the, the explanations you've provided about this, you know, very well orchestrated move to uh, implement this accreditation requirement. Um, Jack and Christine, I can reflect back to 2010 when I recall ECFMG uh, announcing this uh, requirement. And 2023 seemed like a long ways off at that time, and yet we're drawing a lot closer, obviously. So I wonder if you could reflect a little more on sort of the progress that we've made. And Jack, I know you started to allude to that and uh, the changes we're seeing even as 2023 draws closer. Sure, sure. I'll make a few comments on that. I, you know, I did mention before that uh, a lot of uh, accrediting organizations are looking or seeking recognition. And likewise, a lot of pressure is being put from the medical schools onto the accrediting agencies to get them accredited. And, and I think uh, with, with the types of standards that the uh, WFME has in terms of recognition and the accreditation standards that the agencies have, that'll certainly lead to higher quality medical education across the board. There has been a lot of anxiety about this and, and you know, it, it's difficult. And I think this, this podcast and other information sources will help individuals uh, realize that, that this is not meant to bar people from coming to the United States. It's not meant to curtail migration. It's not meant to do anything except improve the quality across the world. And I think it, it's doing that. Um, the other thing that, that I wanted to mention is that often one of the stakeholders involved in this whole medical education uh, process is ignored. That is the student or prospective student. And I think it's really important that those individuals know what they're getting into. And we've had historically many complaints uh, from people who went to international schools, um, were unsuccessful there, went to some other school, came back, never got a residency position, and was a total loss to their career. At least this way, they'll have more information going into that medical education program about its quality, namely its accreditation status. Absolutely. And I'd like to piggyback on that to say that 
this information is also going to help other stakeholders in the medical community and, and the public. Regulatory authorities like the state medical boards will have more information for their activities. GME or residency programs will have more information about a, doc, a, a doctor's education when they're evaluating who to select for their residency program. And then patients will have more information about their doctor's background. So it increases transparency across the board. And, and now we've got publicly public, uh, <clears throat> now we have publicly available standards and accreditation processes and accreditation statuses that all can be accessed by anyone all over the world. Well, this is wonderful. This is a, a lot of good information you're sharing with uh, our listeners today, Christine and Jack. Uh, I'd like to thank you both for appearing on the JMR podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I would also like to remind our listeners that you can access Christine and Jack's article, Advancing the Quality of Medical Education Worldwide, uh, at jmronline.org. And I hope everyone listening will join us again for our next JMR podcast. This JMR podcast is sponsored by the Journal of Medical Regulation, serving for over a century as the premier publication on physician licensure, discipline, and regulation. To learn more, visit jmronline.org.